This is Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, inviting you to give consideration to our Early Learning Academy as you look for a place for your pre-K, kindergarten, or first grader. We would love to have the opportunity to serve your child. We have outstanding facilities and a wonderful staff of certified teachers itching to serve you. Come by and share with us as soon as you can. Missionary Baptist Church welcomes you to a time of harvest. It is our hope and prayer that the Spirit of the Lord reaches you through today's message and strengthens your walk with Christ so that you may pass along the word and strengthen others' walk with Christ. And now we present to you a time of harvest.
Welcome to a time of harvest with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to spend a part of your Sunday with us as we prepare to receive the Word of God. We're looking at a rather familiar passage of Scripture found in the second chapter of John, where Jesus is at a wedding along with his mother, and they ran out of wine. Mary tried to get Jesus to step in, and Jesus was resistant in doing so. But Mary turns to the servants and she gives them a word that proves to be helpful to all of us. That word was, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's the subject of our message today, whatever he tells you to do. We pray that this message will be a help to you and to your family, and we invite you to your earliest convenience to come and share with us in a worship experience or a Bible study here at Shiloh. We're here every Sunday at 8 and 11 for worship. Church school is at 945. We're here every Wednesday at noon and 6.30 for the study of God's Word. If you're enjoying this broadcast, we invite you to tune in this evening at 6 o'clock for a closer look. Our one-hour Bible study highlight broadcast, you'll be blessed by sharing in that as well. We also offer the Thrive Podcast, which drops five days a week, Monday through Friday. A new interview drops on Mondays and then highlights and excerpts from our worship experiences and Bible studies fill out the remainder of the week. Please feel free to write us and let us know how we're doing. You can reach me at fredjeffsmith at cox.net. I'd love to hear from you. I'd also love to see you. But until you have the opportunity to come and share with us in a live worship experience or Bible study, thank you for being a part of a time of harvest. The fifth verse of the second chapter of John says, she went ahead anyway, telling the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Whatever he tells you. In this imperative of Mary, we learn an important truth about our Christian stewardship. And that is obedience to Christ must come before our commitment to anyone or anything else. It's a recurring theme in scripture. God reminds us through Samuel that obedience is better than sacrifice. Jesus said to a crowd one day, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus counseled his disciples by telling them, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Yet, while this is a recurring theme of Scripture, if you've lived for more than a minute, you know that obedience to Christ is easier said than done. I've been in the church all my life, and I love the church, and I'm committed to the church and I believe that the church of Jesus Christ has the answer to the problems that plague our people and our communities. But that being said, I also confess that I'm often dismayed at the inconsistency between what we say in the church 
and how church folk act. We talk about commitment, sing about commitment, preach about commitment, teach about commitment, pray about commitment, but we can't find a way to live lives that truly reflect our commitment to Christ. Paul says that in Christ we walk by faith, not by sight. But so often when it's time to step out on faith, what we see causes us to lose faith. We try to deal with our problems and our own strength. A lot of us won't tithe. Don't get quiet now. We won't give back to God in proportion to how he has blessed us because we lack commitment. A lot of us won't serve. We won't work to meet the needs of hurting people because we lack commitment. A lot of us won't forgive. We won't absorb the pain and love people in spite of the wrong that they have done to us because we lack commitment. A lot of us can't be taken seriously to fulfill Christ's commission to make disciples as we go because we lack commitment. And we need to know today that Talking about it, singing about it, shouting about it, praying about it, preaching about it don't mean nothing if you ain't willing to live it. Doesn't mean anything unless you're willing to back it all up with lives that are committed and obedient to Jesus Christ. Commitment involves transformation. And that's the message of our text today. But for that transformation to take place, Jesus must reign in our hearts. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's Mary's imperative offered as sage advice on how to fix a messed up situation. The setting is a place called Cana. It's a little village about four miles north of Nazareth. A wedding was taking place, and the feast after the wedding was in progress. When it came to Mary's attention that the supply of wine had been expended. In those days, wedding feasts were more than just the post-ceremonial receptions that you and I are accustomed to. Guests would remain for several days, celebrating the union and fellowshipping with one another. And wine was an important part of the celebration. It was the responsibility of the groom to be sure that there were enough supplies to satisfy the guests throughout the feast. And to run out of wine was a source of extreme embarrassment to the host. Now, I don't want you to miss the point. It was the responsibility of the groom. It was the responsibility of the man getting married 
to make sure that everything was in order. But somewhere along the way, this man failed to fulfill his responsibility because not long into the feast, they ran out of wine. Brothers, hear me today. A lot of our trouble is because we're not fulfilling our responsibility. You know, we're quick to quote Paul when he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. But we don't want to read the rest of the passage. In the very next paragraph, Paul challenges us to fulfill our responsibility. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. When Paul says love your wives as Christ loved the church, he means that we ought to be as responsible to our wives and families as Jesus was to all of us. As Jesus gave his all to make us whole, so men ought to give their all to make their families what God would have them to be. As disciples of Jesus, we have an obligation to our wives and to our families. We have an obligation to the children we bring into the world, whether or not we're married to their mothers. But a lot of us are not meeting our obligation. We can take our children to ball games and to social functions, but we can't bring them to church. We can get up and go to work five days a week and be on time every day, but you can't get to church on time. Amen. Can tell our sons to carry protection in their wallets when they go out on a date, but we won't arm them with the true protection, which is the word of God. We declare ourselves to be the heads of our households, but we're always bringing up the rear when it comes to prayer and worship and Bible study. If you're going to be the man in your house, then be the man that meets his spiritual responsibility. Be the man that teaches his children how to pray. Be the man that accompanies his wife to the Lord's house for worship on Sunday morning. Be the man that leads his family in the worship of Jesus Christ. Didn't expect no amens on that. That's all right. I know I'm right anyhow. The groom failed to make an adequate preparation. And and at some point, it came to Mary's attention that they had run out of wine. And, and when Mary realized that, that there was a shortage, she didn't waste any time. She went to Jesus for a solution. She knew that Jesus could solve the problem. But it's important to note that while Mary went to Jesus, she didn't try to tell Jesus what to do. She simply told him what was wrong and then looked to him to provide a solution. Don't miss that point. When we come to Jesus, we need to come like Mary came. Part of our problem is that when we come to Jesus, we come telling him how to fix the problem. 
But if you're committed to Christ, all you got to do is tell him what the problem is and then trust him to fix the problem. Let Jesus fix it for you. He knows just what to do. Whenever you pray, just let him have his way. He will fix it for you. Mary came to Jesus looking for a solution to the problem. And, and Mary's concern was commendable because it wasn't her problem. And Jesus told her that. Jesus said, this ain't my problem, nor is it yours. Don't push me. Mary wasn't the host. Mary wasn't responsible for making sure that everything went as it was supposed to go. Yet she goes to Jesus anyway. And in doing so, Mary represents the church standing in the gap on behalf of those who are in need. Here's our first point this morning. As the body of Christ, we must be compassionate. We can't be in Christ and say that we love folk if we don't care about what's going on. Sometimes care is evidenced in a kind word and a gentle touch. Sometimes care is indicated in a stern voice and a firm hand. Sometimes care is shown in going out of our way in order to bring something to pass. But if we are disciples of Christ, if we are compassionate people, we must learn to put the needs of others ahead of our own wants. And when we are committed to Christ, then commitment will give us compassionate hearts. Compassion will cause us to pray for folk. Compassion will cause us to be concerned about meeting other folks' needs. And then, to be good disciples of Jesus, you've got to know what your limitations are. Mary told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She knew what she could do and what she couldn't do. And she knew that there was nothing that she could do about this situation. But she knew who could do something about it. And so she said, whatever he tells you to do. I want you to do it. Jesus was her child, but Mary knew that he was no ordinary child. A long time ago, God had revealed things to Mary about this child that no one else knew. And she was willing to put everything in his hands. Understand, she didn't know what he was going to do. She didn't know how he was going to do it. But she had enough faith to just put it in his hands. Church, good disciples know when they've gone as far as they can go. Good disciples know that they can't do it all by themselves. But when you've done all that you can do, when you have exhausted all your strength, the thing that's left to do is put it in God's hands. His hands are powerful hands. 
His hands are protecting hands. His hands are providing hands. His hands are caring hands. His hands are way-making hands. His hands will open doors for you that others have closed against you. His hands will help you bear your burden in the heat of the day. One of the great joys of serving Jesus is that when you've reached your limit, you can shift the load and you can put it in his hands. Well, finally, good disciples are obedient to Christ even when they don't understand. Mary tells these servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She didn't say do the part that you like. No. Hear me, somebody. She didn't say do the part that you agree with. She didn't say do the part that makes sense to you. She said whatever he tells you to do, do it. And what Jesus said for them to do had to be difficult for them to understand. Let's recap for a second. The problem was they were out of wine. And Mary says, whatever he says, do, do it. And what does Jesus tell them to do when the problem is they're out of wine? He says, fill these jars with water. Understand, filling those jars with water wasn't an easy thing to do. Each one of these jars held between 20 and 30 gallons of water. And there was no spigot that you could go and turn the water on. You had to go down to where the water was. You had to fill the bucket up with water. You had to bring it back and you had to dump it in the jar. And then you had to go back and you had to get some more water. You had to bring it back and dump it in the jar. And you had to go back and get some more water and bring it back and dump it in the jar. And I imagine around the fourth or fifth time that they went down to the well to get water, somebody said, this don't make no sense. The problem ain't water. The problem is we ain't got no wine. But I'm so glad that even though it didn't make any sense to anybody, they kept on doing what Jesus said. Do they remembered what Mary said? Whatever he tells you to do. You do it. So they went down and got water and brought it back and went down and got water and brought it back. And after a while, they had filled all the jugs with water. And after they filled all the jugs with water, Jesus said, now take a little bit out. And take it and give it to the host. And again, they said, this don't make no sense. He's going to ask us, why are we bringing him water when the problem was there ain't no wine? But I'm so glad that they remembered what Mary said. What, whatever 
he tells you to do to it. So, so they took a little bit of the water out of the jug that they had filled up with water and they went to the host and in their minds they were saying this don't make no sense but somewhere between them dipping the water out and them taking the water to the host when it got to the host water became wine. When it got to the host, water became Mogan David. When it got to the host, the water became the best wine out there. Said most folk, most folks say the good stuff first and, 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 and then give out the cheap stuff later. But you done saved the best for last. Church, that's a story right there. If you give it to Jesus and if you trust it, if you do what he says do, even if it don't make no sense, keep on doing what he said do. Love like he said love. Serve like he said serve. Forgive like he said forgive. Keep on keeping on. And the best, the best, the best, the best, the best. is yet to come. Put it in his hands. Do what he said do. I declare he's a heart fixer. He's a burden bearer. He's a mind regulator. He's joy and sorrow. He's hope and despair. He's a mother to the motherless. He's a father to the fatherless. He's able, 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 whatever he tells you to do do it choir's gonna sing a hymn deacons coming across
Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, inviting you to give consideration to our Early Learning Academy as you look for a place for your pre-K, kindergarten, or first grader. We would love to have the opportunity to serve your child. We have outstanding facilities and a wonderful staff of certified teachers itching to serve you. Come by and share with us as soon as you can.